Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast, and I'm with my partner in crime, Jeffrey Denzel Harley. Hey, what's up everybody out there? Jeffrey, I think this is episode 9,302. Is that correct? Not 301. You're oh, almost close, right. but you know, you, know, after you need you a get, calculator now. After you get to so many episodes, it's hard to keep count. And we hope, we really hope, and I think this is true for our listening audience, that they have listened to all the previous episodes. Yes. Because and, we have asked and, them to do that. Yeah. They're kingdom people. They're kingdom people. And so kingdom people like to obey. <laughs> they like to respond. Respond. Hey man, that's a better word. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about a, a subject that, in full disclosure, has been one of the greatest challenges in my own personal life. In recent months, Jeffrey, I have, I have become self-aware that this is an issue that I really have needed the Lord to transform in my life. Probably one of the biggest battles I've had. And one of the things about being self-aware is that when the Lord shines his light on an area of your life, you realize you were blind to it. Yeah. And you may not be in touch with Mm. the roots of it. And so in recent days, God has taken me in hand and shown me the roots and dealt with those roots. Mm -hmm. And it's made a tremendous difference in my life. But we're going to talk about this matter of worry, hurry, and anxiety. Worry, hurry, and anxiety. Yeah, and its relationship to the kingdom of God. And so I'll um, I'll kick this ball first okay. and would love for you to jump in and share on it, Jeffrey, because God has taken you in hand as well and, and given you some remarkable lessons on this matter that I want our listeners to listen to. Let me begin by just saying that worry is the preoccupation of your thoughts on a situation, a problem, or a trial, and you are in effect, trying to find a solution, and it's occupying your mind. Mm. And there is another aspect to it, and that is that you don't know the outcome. Yes. The outcome is unknown to you, and so consequently, you can't seem to shake it from your mind. You're thinking of worst-case scenarios. You're thinking of, what if this happens? What if that happens? Mm -hmm. How can I respond to it? And so on and so forth. And it is something that is a great burden and in effect a bondage yes the other piece is anxiety and anxiety is the feeling that comes with worry Mm. our thoughts directly lead to our emotions yeah they produce our emotions when we are worrying about something it often produces anxiety and that's that feeling of uneasiness and fear that comes with the worry that comes with the worst case scenario or a bad outcome that you envision or that you're concerned about. And anxiety is gripping. Anxiety is stifling. And it causes all sorts of other problems. And then there's the matter of hurry, and that's just simply being in a rush. And we live in a culture that promotes hurry. Microwave ovens, for example. (laughs) Yeah. And what I wanted to talk about is how all that relates to the kingdom of God. Jesus took on worry head on 
Amen. and anxiety in the quote-unquote Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, where he talked about how the Gentiles are concerned about what they will eat, where they will live, what they will wear, the basic needs that humans have. Yeah. And you can insert anything else in there. Your business, your ministry, your relationships, your marriage, your children, your parents, your in-laws, etc. And he, in effect, said that kingdom people, a mark of the kingdom of God, a mark of kingdom living, a mark of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as king, is that you don't worry about these yeah, things. Yeah. You completely trust in the loving care of God the Father, who cares for the lilies, who cares for the sparrows. And he gave the word, seek first the kingdom. And all the things you need will be added to you and live one day at a time. Now, there you go. Worry is always future-oriented. Yes. Anxiety yes. is always future-oriented. Yes. Or look into the future. What if? All right? And Jesus made clear that kingdom people are free from worry. We know the passage in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. And, well, I would read that often and... It just didn't seem to work for me, Jeffrey. Yeah, well. <laughs> and part of that is because, at least in my case, until I did work with a Christian professional who was able to go back into my childhood and find the roots of worry and anxiety, mm-hmm. it was a hurdle in my life. Yeah. You know? And to deal with those roots, to uproot the roots, <laughs> to have those roots healed made a tremendous difference. And so now I can apply that scripture. Now it actually works that Amen. if I get worried thoughts, I turn them into intercession. Amen. I turn them into prayer. And the fact of the matter is, if you're going to worry, don't pray. But if you're going to pray, don't worry. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Because they are opposite of one another. When you lay it at the Lord's feet, and by the way, this is a continual thing. You know, it's not, I'm going to lay this issue to the Lord's feet. Yeah. <laughs> And once and only once, never before, never again. Be nice. But sometimes that worry comes back knocking at your door, Mm -hmm. and you have a choice whether you're going to entertain it or you're going to lay it at the Lord's feet again. One of the things about Jesus is that he was obviously the king of his kingdom. He was the embodiment of the kingdom. And we get a picture of what a human being is like. I realize he's God also. Amen. Who is free from worry, hurry, and anxiety. The classic example is when Jesus is asleep in the boat. Yeah. This is in the early chapters of Mark. And a storm hits that little vessel. The disciples are in a panic. The winds are strong. Yeah. The water is now waves. Not only hitting the boat, but pouring into it. There's water pouring into the boat. And here Jesus is asleep through all of that. Yeah. I mean, it must have been noisy. I can't imagine him not getting some water on him. Hmm. At least hearing the water pouring into the boat, having the boat rocking, (laughs) and he's sleeping. Now, what does that tell us? Freeze the frame. It tells us that Jesus must have had a Himalayan degree of peace in his heart to be able to sleep through that. Incredible peace in him to be able to sleep through that. It also shows us that he's relaxed. Yes, Whenever you see the Lord, he is confident and relaxed. He's never in a panic. Never in a hurry. And he's never in a hurry. Think about yeah. Lazarus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He yeah. waits four days. Yeah. He's not in a hurry. He's patient. He's relaxed. He's calm. But he's strong. Yes. He's confident. Yes. Therein lies a portrait of someone who's living in the kingdom of God. Amen. And he was at peace. And the disciples... 
did what most of us would do. They woke him up. Yeah, you don't even care. <laughs> I had to wake him up. Yeah. I, Lord, do you not care? We're going to yeah. die. <laughs> and what does he say? He says this many times. He said it when he was walking on water. And they were afraid when they saw him. They didn't know it was him, even though he said it was I. Yeah. Be not afraid. Where's your faith? Yes. Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Do not fear. Yeah. Where's your faith? In other words, faith and fear are polar opposites. Amen. Faith, trust in God, eliminates, roots out fear. Amen. And he rebuked the winds. He said, peace be still. And that's a word for you and me. When we are getting hit by the waves of worry and anxiety, to say in Christ, peace be still, and peace to entrust ourselves to the great shepherd of our souls, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. We fear no evil, for fear he is no. with us. And this is life in the kingdom. Amen. To eliminate worry, to eliminate hurry, to eliminate anxiety by completely surrendering the outcome to God. So why don't you speak to that a little bit? Talk um, from your own experience. Yeah, from my own experience. And just real quick, even with the disciples, where you say, like, leaving the outcome to God is... You know, some of them had been on that sea all their lives. And so they immediately see the storm they never saw before, that they saw the worst case scenario. Yes. Even though in the yes. beginning of that narrative in Mark 4, he says, we're going to the other side, right. which is the outcome. Now we're going to the other side. Yes. But worry, those thoughts come and bring the worry, the anxiety, and then their hurry, wake up, don't you even care? You forget the outcome that the Lord has promised you. And you begin to imagine or foresee this other outcome that's produced from the fear, the worry, and the anxiety. So to kind of share, you know, my, my story with that, because I really believe that the Lord either allows situations or he creates situations or life just comes where he uses, you know, those experiences to form that peace in us, yes. which is Christ and him desiring to form Christ in us. So... My wife was pregnant with our second child in uh, the end of 2002. The prognosis was that she was going to be born on March 15th. And my mother's birthday was February 11th. And so my mother had had a stroke and was sick. She was praying that our daughter would be born on her birthday, February 11th, even though the prognosis was March 15th. And I was just praying and, you know, believing the Lord for her just to be alive whenever Ariana was born. So about the end of January, she got sick and I got a call and she was taken to the ICU and she went into a coma. Mm. And so my mother's in a coma. We live like about an hour away. And so I already had a, uh, a son who was going to be three years old in May of that year. My wife's pregnant again. I have a, a, a job I'm working, and, you know, so I'm trying to take care of the family. My children, they called it the sandwich generation. You had your parents to take care of and your own family. You're in between. So it was a tense situation. It was an anxious situation. You know, my mother was praying that Ariana would be born on her birthday, and I just wanted her to be alive. And so I'm riding back and forth between both places, and there was a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, but there were situations that, you know, in retrospect, I had no control over the outcome. So anyhow, 
on February 11th, that morning, I was at work, and my wife at that time had pulled out of work and was staying with my mother-in-law, and I get a phone call saying that she's having some pain and some pressure, and the doctor says, take her to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and I'm thinking within myself, I didn't even want to say it out loud as if if I said it out loud, I would spoil it. You know, today's mommy's birthday, mommy's in a coma, Ariana might be born. We stayed there at the hospital all day from like 9 or 10 in the morning to like 4 or 5 in the afternoon. They saw that she wasn't ready to give birth, and so they went to send us home. So as we're going out in the parking lot, I'll never forget it was on a Tuesday. My mother-in-law says, you know, Annette, you have to get blood work on Thursday. Since you're here, why don't you go back inside and see if you can get the blood work done? So we go back inside. We find the lab. I had to go somewhere and get some paperwork for that. Long story short, by the time I got back to the lab, her water had broke. Mm. So then now we go back upstairs, and then now it's like, okay, she could still maybe be born. And by the time uh, we were outside the OR room, I was outside waiting to go inside. It was a little after 9 o'clock. And I never forget, I was sitting there crying because I was like, wow, Lord, she's going to be born mm. on mommy's birthday. Mommy's been praying this for like That's three or four months. Bro. And terrible. I just don't believe this. And she's in a coma still. Mm. And, you know, Ariana's born. So by the time she's born and Annette's settled and I take my mother-in-law home, it's like four in the morning. So I'm like extremely tired, hungry, everything else. But now I'm like, I got to make this drive about an hour and 15 minutes away. Because I got a second copy. I got two copies of her footprints. And I said, I'm taking you know, taking that down to my mom. So I get down there about 6 or 7 in the morning. They let me come in the ICU. And my mother's laying there in the coma. And I prayed for her. And I'm talking to her. And I'm like, listen, you know, she, Ariana was born on your birthday. You were praying this. You got to wake up to see your, your granddaughter. But again, I mean, she's in a coma. At that point, though, because she was born on her birthday then and maybe I was so tired that my natural energy was like down I just believe that she has to get up now there's no mm. way that she can't get up the Lord couldn't bring me that far yeah. and then just you know cast me to the curb and you know about a day later my father calls me up and I was at work he said Jeffrey you won't believe it and I'm like what he was like your mother not only got up but she told the nurse I'm going to see my granddaughter <laughs> you know and Praise she had the, the footprints right there wow. and uh, and they got the they got to share one birthday together before my mother went home to be with the Lord before that but that mm. was an experience you know Frank that really showed me I mean I was in a the sandwich generation between a rock and a hard place traveling back and forth just different situ it was just out of my control I couldn't manipulate or control the outcome and how the Lord just moved in that that as I reflected on it even when my mother went home to be with the Lord it was like he still granted her to have Ariana born on her birthday mm. and every year when February 11th oh, comes and wow. we share that story and talk about it and it's edified even my children's faith but it, it's put me to a place and, and I was sharing with you you know a couple of years after that when people ask me how I'm doing or what's going on I'll be like I'm better than I deserve and uh, I'm easy like Sunday morning because you know? <laughs> it's like you, you start you're getting you know you look back on some of those situations and, and that peace that relaxation it's formed in you now don't get me wrong there are other situations that come up still that it can produce worry it can produce hurry it can produce anxiety with your thoughts but like you were saying when you were sharing earlier in Christ we have a choice 
where we're going to place our thoughts. We can we can choose to think of those things that are above. Mm. We can set our passions on those things that are above. Or we can choose to place our thoughts on things of this earth. And then Romans 8 talks about how that causes anxiety, mm. worry, and those different things. And, and it's a process, and it's a, it's a thing that we have to constantly, as you were saying, moment by moment, reflect and, and turn to the Lord and turn those anxious thoughts and turn those worried thoughts into prayer and, and think of stories like that when the when the lord has brought you through a situation well that was a milestone in your life <coughs> yes that was yeah. a milestone in your life that you can look back on in yeah. times where you're tempted to worry and be anxious and you can go back and say look what the lord did here and this reminds me of Psalm 77. Mm. Psalm 77 was written by Asaph, who was a choir director under the ministry of David, I believe. And he's going through some kind of problem that is impossible, mm. right? You know, there are trials that are light trials, and you have control over them, right? You're able to do something about yeah. them. Yeah. There are other trials that God puts you in where you're cornered and all of your problem-solving powers are useless. Useless. All of your fix-it strategies are futile mm. and you have no control whatsoever. For example, your mother being in a coma. Mm. All right? There's nothing you can do about nope. that. Doctor couldn't do anything. Yeah. You're either going to trust the Lord or you're going to worry. Yeah. And in Psalm 77... Asaph, he's got his back against the wall. He's going through some kind of fiery trial. It looks hopeless. There's no way out. He is in depression. He is mm. disturbed. It's as if God is not hearing him. His spirit is growing faint. He can't sleep. He is vexed mm. over this thing. Yeah. And then what happens is he remembers some of the songs that he had written yeah, in the past yeah, yeah. about God's faithfulness, yeah. God being trustworthy, God coming through mm. in impossible situations, Amen. right? Amen. And now he recalls those songs that he himself wrote because now he's tested as to whether or not he really believed what he had written. Amen. Amen. Right? Now, he may have believed it, but now there's a new dimension of Come that on. experience where he's being put to the test. That's right, bro. Do you believe that now, right, in Robert this situation? That's right, that's right. <laughs> and he goes back and he reflects back on a song that he had written about God parting the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. Psalm seventy-seven, nineteen: Your way was in the sea, hmm. your paths in the mighty waters, and your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's how it ends. And what we see here is he is remembering God pushing back the Red Sea to make a way where there was no way. Amen. Amen. And he's encouraging himself in the Lord. Yes. From his own writings. Yes. yes. From a song he yeah, wrote himself. He wrote. And I tell yeah. you what, I, I am presently going through a fiery trial where there is no way in sight. Amen. It's impossible. And I have written about situations like this That's right. in some That's of my right. books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I believe them. Mm -hmm. I believe them now. I believe them then. But guess what? I'm being tested Yes. in a new way, yes. in a new level. Yes. Because this particular trial I'm in, it is the most impossible trial I've ever been in my life. Amen. And there's no way in sight. And yet, 
I'm reflecting back, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Come and on. I'm reading Psalm That's 77. Right. That's right. And I'm That's reading right. Psalm 37. Right. Folks, right. if you deal with worry and anxiety, read Psalm 37. It's given me hope. Amen. It's causing me to see that God can make a way where there is no way. Where he could break through when there's an impasse. Amen. You know, there's a story in, I think it's 1 Samuel 30, where David is in a pickle. One of his enemies had taken his two wives and the wives and daughters of the men who were part of his army. And they're getting ready to stone him because they're blaming David for this. And the scripture says that David encouraged himself in the the Lord Lord. his God. Amen. And that's what Asaph was doing. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And then later, as you read the text, he was victorious and he got his wives back. And by the way, that's not a plug for polygamy, folks. Amen, sir. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen. But the point being is that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And this is necessary when you're going through it. There's another aspect of this that I want to talk about, Jeffrey. It has to do with outcomes. When we're tempted to worry and have anxiety, it's because we don't know the outcome. Mm-hmm. And now our brain begins to play out worst case scenarios. Yes. I have found that the way to battle that is to say, God is going to deliver me through the situation because he's promised that if we ask him to do what is according to his will, he will hear and he will respond. Amen. Many, many scriptures on that. That's right. Yeah. If two of you agree on anything, That's right. according to my will, I will do it. All right. Nevertheless, he is God. And whatever he permits, he permits. The outcome is ultimately in his hands. And so I think of the three Hebrew children, the king, a pagan king, is saying to them, unless you bow down and worship me, mm. or the, the statue and yeah. his image, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace, you're going to burn like a cinder. And they say, we're not going to bow down, God will deliver us. Mm-hmm. Now that's a statement of faith. They're putting their faith in the God of Israel. That's right, that's right. And there's no wiggle room there. No. God will deliver us. That's right. That's faith. That's he right. will deliver us. He will. But even if he doesn't. Ah. We still won't But even if he doesn't. And there's the surrendering the outcome in the hands of God. Then he turns it up higher. Yes, he does. Yeah. And of course, so like Lord, even the guys that are carrying him, they get burned. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They say, God will. Mm-hmm. He will do this. Mm-hmm. He's going to open the Red Sea. That's right. So they're holding on to God. Yes. But on the other hand, they're saying, even if he doesn't. We still are going to follow the Lord. That's letting go of the outcome. That's detaching yourself from the outcome. That's right. That's surrendering the outcome in the hands of God. Yes. Holding on to him and his promises, and at the same time, letting go and surrendering the outcome to him. Yes. That's the line that those who are in the kingdom and living the kingdom life walk. Yes. It's hold on, let go. Hold on. Hold on to the Lord, let go of the outcome. And in that piece, even in encouraging yourself, is even being mindful who you allow to speak into your ear yes. during that time. Oh, because one thing I learned in that situation with my mother was there were certain times of the day I didn't go to the ICU because there were other relatives who were like, you need to get the insurance papers, help mm-hmm. your father to prepare for her funeral. Mm. You need to get that. And it was like, 
I can't be in this atmosphere with how they're talking. Yes, because that yes, it's another seed trying to get in my ear and get in my heart. Mm. So I had to. I didn't want to be rude to them, so I just avoided them and just didn't go during the times that I knew they were there. Because you want to put yourself, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord, and then you have to be with some other people who are walking like-minded. In fact, the Bible says two can't walk together except they be in agreement. Because those are situations that are, they can produce fear, they can produce all those things we're saying, but those are situations where you have to be ruthless with uh, your own sanctification and your own walk with that because uh, you don't want to, you know, you just don't want to be in that environment and you're trying to encourage yourself and you can't listen to disencouragement. And I don't want to hear a message that's different from what the Lord says. I believe the Bible says in there somewhere, whose report will you believe? Mm. And they said, we will believe the report of the Lord. Yes, we will believe the report of the Lord. There's a song I heard several months ago. We will believe the report of the Lord. And I don't remember the other words to it, but man, it was so powerful. Whose report will you believe? Oh, praise the Lord. Well, this reminds me of Jesus when he raised the little girl from the dead. Mm -hmm. And he walked in and he said, the child is sleeping. And they're all laughing and they're saying, you're crazy. It's just an atmosphere of doubt. And and guess what he does? He tells them, get out of the room. Professional mourners Get out. Yeah, you leave. And he goes in there Mm -hmm. with... The three. That's right. The inner circle. The inner, That's right. inner circle. That's right. That's right. And he raises her from the dead. Man. That's true That's because, right. you know, even in the trial that I'm facing now, mm-hmm. I do have people who are speaking a negative outcome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a song. I'm not moved by how I feel. Amen. I don't live by what I see. Amen. Because my God has made the way for me. Right. I don't want to hear that. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Amen. I want to remove Amen. myself from that, and I want to stand on the promises of yeah. God, yeah. and at the same time, let go of the outcome and surrender it into His hands, because His hands are more capable than mine. Amen. Brother Jeffrey, yes. you and I have the greatest ally in the universe. Amen. Second to none. Who is that? That is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob. That Amen. is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is the God, our Father. Hallelujah. The Prince of Peace. And we get him no matter what happens. Amen. If the trial ends in great victory and deliverance on our behalf, and our prayers are answered, mm. and God will deliver us, occurs, we have God. Amen. But if the outcome turns into something negative, if it's not what we desired, it's not what we even believe God's will was, mm. His perfect will, we still have God. We still have Him. You cannot lose. That's right. I cannot lose. Amen. Those who are part of the insurgents and have placed their total faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you cannot lose. Amen. Jesus walking on the water. Mm. Again, there's a storm. Yes. And the disciples are in a boat, and they're way out. They're offshore big time and they see this figure approaching them and they're mortified and jesus says it is i I. be not afraid see once again don't be afraid i'm in this i'm in the storm Mm -hmm. i'm with you yes i am there with you in the valley valley. of the shadow of death death. yes so be not afraid Mm -hmm. fear no evil and then Peter says, Lord, if it's really you. <laughs> it's really you. If, if it's really you. <laughs> and that's natural. I can relate mm-hmm. to that. Lord, oh, if you're I'm behind this. Give me a sign. If you're really behind mm-hmm. this. <laughs> he says, if it's really you, ask me to come. And Jesus gives him the word, come. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in human history, we have a man other than Jesus of Nazareth walking on water. 
for wow. a time until for he got his eyes on the waves. Yes. And there is the battle of faith. Do not look at your circumstances. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what you mm. see or hear. Mm. And during this trial of mine, Jeffrey, I'm seeing things, I'm hearing things that are directly contrary to what I'm praying and believing for and what I believe God's will is. Amen. But that's looking at the waves. That's right. That's right. And when Peter did that, what happened? He starts to sink. Start to sink. And the Lord is merciful, and he pulled him up. Mm -hmm. But why did you doubt? You took your eyes off the prize. Yeah. Who's Christ? First of all, in that piece, I believe you just encouraged yourself, brother. <laughs> yes, amen. Well, Asaph there. But also what I love in that narrative is in the Matthew 14 passage, it says when Jesus gets on the boat with them, as soon as he gets on the boat, it's like, they're like transferred immediately to the land. But not only that, they worshiped him and said he was the son of God. Mm. And so in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the worry of the doubt, in the midst of all that, they get a revelation of Jesus the Christ and they see him to the point that it leads to worship. And oh, the whole peace like that just leads to worship and a revelation of him. And so certain trials, certain situations are eventually going to lead to, if we can hold on, if we can remember how the Lord delivered in the past, if we can uh, hold on to the Lord and let the outcome be, you know, in his hands, it will lead to a revelation of Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. And when we see him, and we eat of him and drink of him, it'll lead to more worship of him. And eventually the Lord will have gained more of our own hearts Amen. and Christ will yes. be formed in us even the more. And that's when we go back to Romans eight and we say, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and have been called according to his purpose because those whom he foreknown he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And that's what the Lord is doing into that. And I think that that's glorious and it's marvelous. So I'd like to read this piece from Watchman Nee. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Life can be quite overwhelming when we see no future and are only conscious of bitter sorrow. There are some sorrows that no one else can share. Mary found it so, and stood weeping at the door of the empty tomb. If we feel that we have something to cry about, how much more had she? For she could not find her Lord. In coming to the grave, she only expected to find a corpse. But now even that was gone. What was it that dried her tears and banished all her sorrows? What happened? It was just a voice saying, Mary. But it was his voice, and it was her name. After that, nothing seemed to matter. So with us, when we come to an impasse from which there seems no deliverance, we only have to hear the Lord's voice speaking our name, and all is well. There's nothing more to do than to kneel down and worship him. So just like the disciples in the boat, when they got the revelation of Christ, they knelt down and worshiped him, just like Mary worshiped him. And so with us, it's in those trials where he's forming Christ in us that we worship him. So in the words of that famous song, don't worry, be happy. God bless you all. <laughs>